Well, uh, Jeremiah 17 is where we want you to be today. Jeremiah chapter 17. Uh, we are in a three-week segment of level four about finances. And uh, again, it's just... Uh, around this church, I get so blessed by the talent and, and by the diversity that's here. And a person who's a part of our church family, some of you have probably seen on the Comedy Network. You may have seen him on um, ABC or NBC uh, at times. Uh, he was the president of the Christian Comedy Association uh, and has led a tour of comedians across the country. Uh, but, but he is a part of our church family. And he's going to help us get focused and think about finances right now. Would you welcome Nazareth? Good morning. Yes, I'm from the Middle East, but ever since September 11th, I feel so Mexican. <laughs> My name is Nazareth. I was born in the city of Nazareth in Israel. It's a family tradition to name me after the city. I feel sorry for my brother Waikiki. <laughs> my other brother Albuquerque. <laughs> and my sister Buffalo. Uh, Location, location, location. You know, I moved here 25 years ago, and my first exposure to this nation was a small zoo in Cleveland. I paid $20 to see an elephant, a camel, a bull, and a donkey. In my country, that's a car dealership. <laughs> but speaking of money, you know, I've, I've lost weight. I've been on the Fannie Mae diet. Lost my equity, my 401k, and nothing to roll over anymore. <laughs> you know, I know the economy is bad because yesterday the Jehovah's Witnesses sold me their magazine. <laughs> but speaking of money, you know, we go out and buy new things. We buy cars. When I buy my cars, I don't go to dealerships. I watch police chases. Honey, come here, look at this guy. They've been following him for four hours on the same tank of gas. That's an economy car right there. Look, he hit four cars, he's still running. That's a safety feature. But money teaches us humility. I learned my humility from lowriders. People with the low cars and they spend, you know, they spend all the money on the car and the sound system. And then they don't want to be seen. <laughs> but speaking of money, let's talk about capitalism. I love capitalism. Let's teach it before we lose it. Ah, I didn't say that. No. <laughs> capitalism means from the day you're born till the day you die, someone's going to sell you something. You're born and the Huggies people will come after you. Then Fisher Price will come after you. Then if you're a girl, Mattel and Barbie will come after you. If you're a boy, Nintendo and Sony will come after you. Then the whole world will sell you stuff. And if they can't sell you anything, they sell you insurance. Never buy insurance from a Christian insurance agency. Because to them, everything is an act of God, and they will not cover it. <laughs> Sorry, agents. <laughs> And they sell you and sell you and they get, you get old and the drug companies will come after you. Then the Huggies people will come back. <laughs> but I love this country because in this country, if you can't afford something or you want to buy something, you don't want to pay for it, you have a shower. Yes. You just go pick whatever you want. Don't pay for it. Just register it. 
and come home and send the car to everyone you know. And they will go buy it, wrap it up nicely, and deliver it to you for a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> it's legal. <laughs> See, I got married in the Holy Land. We didn't have that. I paid for the whole wedding. 600 people showed up at my wedding. I didn't know any of them. <laughs> and at the end of the wedding, this is a tradition in the Middle East where they all stood in line and gave my bride jewelry, mostly gold. By the time they were done, my bride looked like Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> she had gold chins, chains, gold rings, gold watches. I spent three weeks in LA after the wedding going, hey man, you want to buy a gold watch? <laughs> Hurry up, it's not stolen, I just want a toaster, okay? Thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Man. Oh, I love Nazareth. I really do. I really, really. Man, and what a blessed church we are right now. I mean, think about this. Uh, we had a Kenyan, a Palestinian, and a mutt all on stage. And... Um, it's kind of fun. Hey, Nazareth is doing something special for our church, and he's doing it as a gift to the missions department. On June 26th, he's going to be putting on a comedy show in the Plex. Uh, it's, it's gonna, they're going to be food served. It's going to be an amazing night. I encourage you to bring friends, but all the proceeds goes to Global Outreach, and it goes to make a difference. So June 26th, that night, will be an amazing, amazing night. And then you can get tickets afterwards uh, out inside if you choose to. Jeremiah 17 is where we want to be, and let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in an incredible way, and I ask God for you to touch us, and I pray, God, that you would cause us to literally have hearts and minds that hunger and thirst after righteousness and the right way of living, and may we, Lord, be a blessing to you and a blessing to others as we're blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what we're in is a series called Level 4, and the whole idea behind Level 4 is that you live a life that's the kind of life God has always intended for you to live. It's a life that's incredible, a life that's amazing. And, and, and what it's about is it's about a life where you say to God, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, God, and here's the key, we're going to really dig into this today and next week. I trust you completely. I, I don't hold back. My heart, mind, and soul are yours. And when you live a life like that, it's incredible. So I'm going to ask this question over and over again today because I want you to answer it, but I want us to really, really dig into what it means. Do you trust God? Do I trust God? Now, it wasn't that long ago, I think that God put me to the test. Pam and I were in a church that to this day I love. We had been there 19 years. I considered it a home. As a matter of fact, I've never lived in one place so long. And uh, the people were incredible. We were moving forward. We were financially healthy. We were giving nearly a million dollars a year to missions. Uh, uh, I mean, we were set and, to be honest, comfortable. And, and then God began about two and a half years ago to work in Pam and mine's life to call us here. And, uh, and I know some of you don't know this, but, but many of you do. Uh, we began to discover that this church was on the ropes financially, literally on the edge of falling over the cliff. Matter of fact, when I would start here in March, uh, we were literally weeks away from foreclosure notices being served on us, and from us going into lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, and, and literally falling apart financially, and the church didn't know. But we knew. And I know that I've shared this before, but I want to tell you today, this really fits. I'll never forget standing in our kitchen and me looking at Pam, and I said, Pam, 
I don't know if we should go. And she goes, Chuck, God's calling us. And I said, Pam, do you know what this means? I said, I really, really believe that what's going to happen is we're going to go in and have to do some layoffs. And if things don't turn quickly, then maybe one month, two months in, we're not going to get a paycheck. We're just going to end up working for the church for free. We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose any retirement. We're we're actually giving up our retirement medical right away. And uh, uh, we're we're probably not going to have a home anymore. And I'll never forget the moment Pam looked in my eyes and said, then for sure we're going because we're not for sale. And I went, whoa. And we came here just trusting God. I mean, we really did. We leaped out and said, God, if you're out there, catch us. If this is what you want us to do. And man, I want to tell you something. I am so glad I did. Uh, If you ask me today, Chuck, are you glad you came? I think, look around. I mean, one of the greatest gifts God's given me, and I don't mean this just uh, quickly said, or I don't mean it by flattery or in some surface talk. One of the greatest gifts God's given me in my life is you. This church family, I love you guys. And I love being together. I love what God's doing. I love what's happening here. And I want to say before I was blessed uh, beyond reason, but here I'm more blessed than I can imagine. And I walk around in awe of what God's doing here. We started in March, and it was June of that year that Tony Wood called me up and asked to have lunch with me. Pam and I took he and Brianne and Ethan, their son, out to lunch at BJ's over here in Corona. And uh, we just thought we were catching up. And Tony looks me in the eye. And he said, Chuck, God is calling us to come and be with you. And I said, Tony, um, we don't have any money. I mean, we cannot pay you. And Brianne's pregnant. And you guys are just, and he said, no, God's calling me. And I've talked with my dad. And his dad's a godly man. And my dad's in agreement. We need to come and be here. And I said, dude, I am not kidding. We have no money. And he said this. He said, then we'll come for free. He said, I'll cash in my retirement. We'll pay our own way. And, um, and I, I look at Brianne and I said, are you sure, Brianne? I mean, she's pregnant. And she said, we're sure. We're sure. Now, you know what? God ended up moving in such a way that they, did, they got a paycheck their first week. But let me say this. They came not knowing it was going to happen. Matter of fact, it was two weeks before they got here before we even knew it would happen. And, and here's the thing. They, as a family, said, we're going to throw ourselves into the arms of God. We believe trusting him with everything that we have matters. And, and I want to ask this question. Don't you feel this church has been blessed by having Tony and Brianne with us? Yeah, it, it's been incredible. And the bottom line is, is when you live that kind of life, I can tell you from experience, it is worth everything. It is worth everything. When you start living it, it's the greatest life and adventure you could ever have. And so, see, here's the thing. You might ask uh, two or three years ago, Chuck, do you trust God? And I would say, yes, I do. And then God said, okay, now you're going to do it. And I got to be honest, there was some hesitation. So I'm going to ask you today, do you trust him? You see, that's everything about what it means to be a Christian. Now, now, here's where I'm going. Get ready for this. You see, the word faith, the word faith actually is defined as a loving trust. If I have faith in God, it means I love him and I trust him. The word literally means to throw all your weight onto something. If I trust this chair like I just did and I sit on it, I've got faith in this chair. And are you willing to throw all, not some, all your weight into God? And when you think about what faith means, it envelops every aspect of what it really means to be a follower of Christ. We know, first of all, that we're saved by faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, You have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. 
In other words, I'm not saved because of what I do or because I deserve it or because of, of, of the energy I put into it. I'm saved because I trust him completely and I love him and I throw myself into him. And God says, if you do that, I'm going to bestow on you this gift called salvation. And I'm going to cause you to start living the life you were meant to live. And I'm going to adopt you as a child. And I want you to experience that. So as a believer, a follower of Christ, we're saved by faith. But not just saved by faith, we live by faith. In Romans chapter 1 verse 17, it says, but the righteous man shall live by faith. In other words, I must, if I'm going to be a true follower of Christ, live moment by moment, day by day, by trust in God. A loving trust in God. And, and see, I hope that you would say, that's what you're doing. And I hope I could say, that's what I'm doing. Not only am I saved by faith and live by faith. You ready about this? I walk by faith. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, now, think about what that means. It means that every step I take is determined by my trust in God. It means that every attitude I have is determined by trusting God. It means, now don't miss this, that I do not make my decisions based on the world around me and what's going on in the world. I make my decisions based on Christ inside me. And I don't do the outward economy, outward measures, the outward pressures of the world, the outward dictates of the world are not how I make my decision. I based it on something that cannot be seen, on my loving trust in God. Now, I hope I'm going to ask this question that you would say that's true of you, that you're saved by faith, that you live by faith, that you walk by faith, that you trust him completely. The level four lifestyle is one where you literally have that kind of an attitude and movement and direction in your life based on God. And when you do that, it is the blessed life. When you do not do that, God said it's the cursed life. To trust in anything other than God does not bring blessing. And we're going to talk about blessing and more blessing today. But I want to be, have you be in Jeremiah 17. And don't miss what God says about this here. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. And makes flesh his strength. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert. And will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in the stony places in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. You know what? Here's the question. Does your life live based on people? Is your life lived based on, on even a husband or a wife or a child or friends? Or, and, and here's the point. Have you ever had someone let you down and you just thought, forget it? Well, see, that shows that you were trusting in people. People are going to let you down. People are going to fail. And is, should we love them? Yes. Should we live with them? Yes. Should we care about them? Yes. Should we make it our reason for living? No. And God says when you do that, when you make mankind your reason for living, he says that is not the blessed life you need to have. There needs to be something deeper and greater, a trust in God. And, and so I want to ask the question today, do you trust in the Lord? And God says, here's the scary thing, uh, that's the, the pathway of loneliness, it's the cursed life, and, and you can't even see the good things around you. Why? Because you're so focused on what you see, you don't call out to what you can't see, and you can't see God doing amazing things. Look what he picks up with in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. Now, I know many of you already know this, but this is really important. In the Bible, whenever something's mentioned twice, it's called the law of second mention. God's driving this home. Did you notice in just one phrase, he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. 
Now I want to ask you today, the question again, do you trust him and do you live your life with a trust in him? In other words, that you do whatever he calls you to do and without holding back, without any holding on and just literally letting go and saying, God, this is you and I trust you. He says, when you do that, blessed are you. And notice how he describes that life, verse eight. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. In other words, you're always nourished and will not fear when heat comes, when the economy turns, when disease hits, when relationships fall apart. When people turn on you, he says, you won't have any fear. None whatsoever. You will not fear when he comes, but its leaves will be green. You'll always be nourished. And you will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The Lord, verse 9, notice this is a warning. He says, that's the great life I want you to live, but be careful. Here's what to be careful of. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, why is he saying that? He's saying, if you trust in me and you live with your trust in me, you'll have the blessed life. But on the one side, if you trust in mankind, in governments, in friendships, in in the wisdom of the world, he says, it's going to cause your life to be cursed. And if you live your life in me, it's going to be blessed. But if you live your life based on feelings, well, I feel this, I feel that. God says, you're in trouble. Feelings are important, but they never guide and dictate your life. If you were married for, let's say, 50, 60 years and all of a sudden your spouse dies, if you had wise people around you, they'll grab you and say, here's here's the advice, don't miss it. Do not make any major financial decision right now. You know why? Because when you're in that kind of emotional turmoil, you always make the wrong one. And, And by the way, when I have people walk in my office and all of a sudden their life's erupting, I say, be careful about any financial decisions you make right now because your feelings are all over the map. And by the way, everything we should do, especially in the realm of finances, we want to be very careful. It's not feeling-oriented. It needs to be faith-oriented, not feeling-oriented. And, and by the way, any life decision, it says don't go, but I feel like this. I feel, like, you know, and, and your feelings come and go. They're up and down, and, and they're not trustworthy, God says. They're deceitful. Then he says this in verse 10. This is key. Don't miss this. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways and according to his deeds. Now, I want to read on, but I want you to read that one with me again. I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways and according to the results of his deeds. And as a partridge hatches eggs, which it has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune, but unjustly. In the midst of his days, it will forsake him. And at the end, he will be a fool. Now, I want to have two things happen out of this that I hope you don't let go of the rest of the time. Number one, God says, I test you and I reward you based on what? Based on your deeds, on the actions you take. Now, we talked about this last week. God's love is unconditional. Salvation is based on unconditional. God's blessings are conditional based on obedience. If you're not obedient, then God's not going to bless you. Uh, if, for instance, uh, uh, God says to a husband, I want you to be faithful to your wife, and the guy goes out and commits an affair, God's not going to bless the affair, is he? And, and you know what? So God says, I want you to obey me. I want you to live your life and have your deeds, your actions, be attributed to how you trust me, that you walk by faith, a loving trust, and not by sight and not by circumstances, and then my blessing's going to come. And then he says, but if you have this fortune, and, and you got it, and it's not really yours, and you, know, you go, wait a minute, why did he bring finances into it? 
Why do you got, here's why. You're gonna find again and again and again, God says, are you for real? And you say, I am. And God says, good, let's, let's see if you put your money where your mouth is. That's what God's saying here. I want you to start looking. Are you really trusting me? Are you? And that's why he brings it up, and you're gonna see it more again later. Jesus in Matthew 6, said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And he's talking about the clothes and, and the place you live and food you eat. God says, I'll take care of you. But how do you get that from God? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, if you seek the kingdom of God second, he's not gonna take care of you. If you seek the kingdom of God third, he's not gonna take care of you. If you're just lukewarm, that promise isn't for you. It's for those who put God's kingdom first. So here's the question again. Do you trust him? Do you believe him? If not, you're gonna find yourself under the curse. Now, what does it mean to be under the curse? Well, let's just think about some of the ways we see this being lived out. We're in a world today that doesn't put its trust in God. So guess what? We're in an indebted world. The vast majority of people in this country are under extreme debt. They're in bondage. The vast majority of corporations are under extreme debt. They're in bondage. We live in a society today, a country today, that's under extreme bondage because of trillions of dollars of debt. And what does God say about that? He says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the lender's slave. Now, now here's the thing that gets really concerning. Study after study shows that people who say they put their trust in God are actually under as much debt, if not more, as those who don't. God says, I don't want you to borrow. I don't want you to be under this extreme amount of debt. When you do get debt, I want you to pay it out quickly. And then we look around and go, man, I'm so miserable. And man, I can't seem to make it. And I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And if I lose my job, what's gonna happen? And we're living like everybody else. And God says, why are you doing that? I don't want you to live that way. I want you to be free. And you know what happens to many of us? Us, I want to lock my Pam and I into this. We come to Christ and he sets us free and we run and get into debt so we can be back in bondage. And God goes, what are you doing? Could it be clearer that you don't live like this? Now, now, I don't want you to miss this. Do you know, I think, and this is my opinion, I want you to wrestle this through. The number one reason for non-answered prayer and miracles not happening is the credit card. I really mean it. You know, uh, your car breaks down, and instead of going, oh, God, you know how badly I need a car? You know the need I have in my life? Lord, I'm praying you'll provide. What do we do? We just run out and charge it. Now, now I'm not saying there may never be a time for that, but I'm saying, well, have you noticed how many times we, the answer isn't prayer. The answer isn't God. The answer is I'm carrying plastic. I have a second on my house. That's what we do. And then we look around and say, why, why aren't we blessed? And God says, why don't you trust me? What, do you trust me? And God's great call in our life is for us to do that. We're a sleepless society. According to CNN, sleep problems have now reached an epidemic proportion and are estimated to be the number one related health problem in the United States. Now, that's pretty scary. We are so sleep deprived. The average person here today, according to that study, doesn't know what it's like to live a rested life. We, we get so little sleep. And, and by the way, it, they say it's the number one health-related problem. A lot of heart disease would be cured if we would sleep correctly. Uh, a lot of cancer issues would be non-functioning. Uh, there's so many diseases that are tripped off or tipped off by the fact we just don't sleep and rest. 
And by the way, what does God say to you? God says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more to do. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He said, I'll give you rest. So if God's offering rest and we're not rested, then that must tell us we're not living according to his ways. And, and now get, catch this. The number one reason people don't sleep is stress. And the number one stress that people feel they're under is what? Financial. In other words, we're just not honoring God. And God says, do you trust me? If you trust me, do what I say. And when you do those things and the deeds are there, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to find your life, a life of incredible. God says, come follow my ways. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus, when he's calling out to people and says, come and follow me, said these words in Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits its soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He got, here's what Jesus is saying. You could have the 5,000 square foot house and the three cars. And by the way, I'm not saying that it's wrong to always have that. Don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. I think wise people can have those things. But, but he says, you could have the house. You could have the cars. But if your soul's not being fed, what good is it? Uh, you could have the vacations and the timeshares. But if your soul's not being, he says, what good is it? You might look and say today, well, you know what, Chuck? I'm fine financially. But your soul's not being fed. Jesus said, what good is it? He says, at times you ought to deny self. Now, this becomes huge to handling our finances. Is at times we say no to our getting something. Why? So we can live a life that affects other people in positive ways. Man, if we grab hold of that, life changes in a way you can't imagine and becomes more blessed. So what do we need to do? We need to trust in God. And it says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 12, we quoted this last week, don't miss it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. You'll be invigorated. Again, he's coming back to this invigoration. Now, now what does he say next? Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And he goes, but my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects his son in whom he delights. God is not saying this is the God who's out there. He's saying as a father who loves you, trust me. Don't lean on your understanding. Follow my ways. And then he says, I want you to honor me from your wealth and the first of all your produce. I want the first thing you do when any income comes in that you give it to me. You give back. He says, I want that to be the first thing you do. He says, if you trust me, do that. And don't lean on your own understanding. That's my great call, God says. So here's the question again, do you trust him? Jesus said that there are people who honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. A lot of people go, oh, I trust God. I really do. I'm a Christian. I'm sold out. And the Lord says, well, you say it, but is it there? By the way, we're going to talk about this more next week, but let me go ahead and just get it out there. I love this church, and I love you. I really do. But I want to ask the question, how committed are we as a church? 
Now, how do we measure that? Well, we measure it by how passionate people are, how people want to get involved in ministry, how people have a desire when we say, hey, here's what God has for your life, that they do it, marriage is being stronger. But the, probably the easiest measurement of all is this. How are our ties? Now, we know, we just have the newest study of how this area is, and we know how this church should fit into it. Do you realize, I'm going to go ahead and bring it up ahead of time. That if this church were giving at a faithful level, we would be seeing three times the amount of money come in. We should be bringing in about $15 million a year. That's based on 11% unemployment in our body. It's based on all those things. And, and you know what? We were sitting in a meeting not too long ago and Tim Roberts looked and he said, hey, I want to ask a question. Is there any church in the United States that's really faithful to God? Now, a few of you, a lot of you actually go, wait, 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 I'm faithful but how are we as a family? Now, I know some of you are going, oh, okay, wait, this is really uncomfortable. I mean, Chuck, I brought a friend. Um, <laughs> I care about you too much not to get it out there. But I want to be honest, I care about God even more. We, we can't, we've got to ask the question, Why? If we say, well, we're a church that's on fire, we're a church that's, you know, we could have the loudest praise ever if our hearts aren't really in it. The Lord says, what's going on? Are our hearts there? And it is a matter of the heart. In Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where you've invested. And when God says, honor me from your wealth and the first, if you're doing that, then your heart's there. And if not, you just got to ask the question, do I really trust him? Because he's asking it. Do you really trust me? See, God looks at his people and says, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. And you go, wait a minute, how God are we robbing? And God says, no, you are. You're robbing me. Listen to Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you see, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And you are cursed with a curse. Do you see how this curse comes back up for not trusting? He goes, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out on you blessing until it overflows, and then what else will he do? I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruits of the grounds, nor will your vines uh, in the fields cast its grapes, says the Lord. All the nations will call you blessed and you will be delightful in the land, says the Lord of hosts. Remember how Jeremiah said, he goes, if you have wealth that you've gotten unjustly, it will go away. And God says, a lot of people have wealth they've gotten unjustly because they're spending my money. You're robbing me, he says. I told you to give to me first and you're not doing it. He says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. Don't try to hoard it. Don't try to wreck. You bring it all of it. Don't hold back. And he says, and I want to ask you, he says, if you do that, guess, test me. He says, I'll open the windows of heaven and bless you. So then comes the question, do we trust God? When uh, my sons were little, I called him in one day and I said, we're going to start something. So here's Tim and Rich in front of me. And I said, we're going to start this thing called an allowance. And they go, what's that? You're going to do chores around the house and we're going to pay you for it. And they got all excited. And I'm going to, the money's going to be yours. You can do with it as you please. And so they did their work and they came in and I started laying money on them. And man, they're getting all excited. And I said, okay guys, it's your money, but I'm going to tell you what I think you ought to do and you be wise. The first thing is you should give to God 10%. And they're kind of looking. 
The second thing I want you to do is put some money in savings. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, it, once you have $10 in savings, I'm going to make it 20 When you have $40, or, or $40 in savings, I, I'm going to make it 50 When you have 50 I'm going to make it 75 And when you have 80 I'm going to make it 100 and then we'll start over again. And I said, I, I, I'll watch and I'll do that for you. Well, my, my oldest son, Rich, he, he, he could care less. Man, he's out spending his money. Timmy, though, man, he's like building it up, and he hits that first hundred, he hits the second hundred, and we go to the mall, and he's walking around, and, he, and he's looking at all the stuff he's going to buy, and I'll never forget this moment. Rich is standing there going, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> By the way, was it fair? Oh, you bet it was fair. And, and then, you know, Timmy got some stuff he wanted, and he raised it up again, and he got some more, and he raised it up again, and then he got materialistic and quit. And uh, <laughs> I was willing to do it until he was 18. You know, and, and, and he, he just, just, you know, where did I get that idea? From my heavenly father. I got the idea from him. And the question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Uh, it's in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4 that Elisha the prophet is, is there and a woman comes to him and she goes, Elisha, Elisha, she goes, you've got to help me. My husband's died and you know how faithful he was to God and we're so indebted, we're going to lose our home, we're going to lose everything. You've got to help us. And Elisha said, what do you have in your house? And she said, well, we have a jar with a little oil. And he said, well, then I want you to do this. I want you to go gather as many jars as you can. And do not, I love you, do not get just a few. You get as many, as big, as many as you can. And then you take the oil and start pouring. And, and God will take care of you. So they start bringing in the jars. And she starts pouring. And she's filling jars. She's filling a jar. Big old jars with this little. And she's just filling them up. And then she goes, bring me another jar. And they said, there's not another. And the oil stopped pouring. And, and then she said, what do we do now? And Elisha said, pay off your debts, and, and then I want you to live on the rest. By the way, that's a very biblical concept, pay off your debts and, and live on the rest. And, and you know what? Here's the question I want to ask you. If she had gotten 10 more jars, what would she have had? 10 more. If she would gotten bigger, God was willing to bless her based on what she did. God's willing to bless you based on what you do. I'm not kidding about this. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Now, I know some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if I take what I have and I give 10% to God, then I'm out 10%. Well, the Talmud, the, the, the rabbinical teachings have an answer to that uh, because it's a big issue. It's been an issue for years. And the Talmud says that suppose this candle represents your finances. And what you do is you take and you give to God. And so now all of a sudden you have this that you've given to the Lord. And then because you follow God's ways, you also are generous to other people. Did you catch that? So you've done these two. Now I want to ask a question. How much of that flame just got taken away? How much of that flame just diminished over there? None. I could light a million candles and it wouldn't diminish. And here's, that's what, God, that's what the Talmud teaches. It's because what happens is you make your economy spiritual. You take your finances to a spiritual level. You don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. And you trust in what God says. And you find yourself burning brighter and brighter and having a better and better life. And it becomes more and more incredible. And, and, and so what happens, this is what God wants for you. Now, now we need to understand what God is saying though. I'm not just, you gotta catch the whole, whole plan of God. You see, the world, the world walks by sight, not by faith. So what do they do? The average person in the world spends money on self, and then they spend money on debt, and then they pay their taxes, and they put some money in savings, very little, and then they, they see about God and others. 
And you know what that ends up being? A selfish life. It's all about you. God says, I want you to be the opposite. I want you to start by giving to God. Then I want you to put money away in savings so you have a a cushion in tough times and you also have a building of finances to take care of you in your later years and your family. Then you pay your taxes and then you pay off your debt and then you spend the money on you. And you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna turn around and go, but I've got all this left over. And God says, that's when you bless others. Now, now, in other words, it's the life of self-sacrifice, a life of being able to bless other people. And so what is it? It's the lighting of the candle and putting into the hands of God. Now, there are some of you right now, you're looking at me going, okay, Chuck. That's just not how it works in the real world. And I have a question for you. What are you doing there? What are you doing in the real world? Follower of Christ, why are you functioning according to a world that's sleepless? According to a world that's indebted? According to a world, if you want to go according to the world, that's what you get. But no Christian should be living according to the real world. And so if you look at me and say, oh, that just doesn't work in the real world, you've never, ever put it in the hands of God. So I want to ask the question, do you trust him with everything you have? That's the question. That's what God's calling for. In Luke 6, verse 38, Jesus says these words, give, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. They will pour it out into your lap, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus said, I want you to be a person who's generous, who gives to God and gives to others. That's God's call for you and me. And he says, I want you to do it. And what did he say in Malachi? God says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. So I know some of you right now are going, oh, okay, I know what I'll do then. I'll take the first 10% and I'm going to give it to a lot of different ministries and I'll decide who gets it. Well, then it's still your money. I know there's some of you going, no, no, I'll take the first 10% and I'll give it to the poor. Have you ever noticed we're willing to give God's 10% to the poor? Not, 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 not ours. See, I'm telling you, bring it all. Trust him completely. Now, if today you're saying, man, I don't know if I trust Crossroads enough to do that, then that's okay, it really is. Find a church you trust and invest there. Pour in there. A church that's going to do great ministry, a church that's going to take the funds and see under-resourced people help, a church that's going to do it to help marriages and strengthen, but most of all, proclaim the gospel of God. Find one you can and give to God and don't hold back. Jesus said these words, and I don't want you to miss it. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, in everything I showed you by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he himself said. Now listen to this. Paul said, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now don't miss that. In other words, what we started about talking about was do you want the blessed life or the cursed life? Well, now there's a third choice. Do you want the more blessed life? Not just blessed, but more blessed. And how do you get the more blessed? What did Jesus say? How, this is Jesus. Let's go together on this. Jesus said, how do you get the more blessed life? By what? By giving. Not by going after yourself and taking care of yourself. Now I know this is a heavy thing. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? And, and, and I want to have you really think that through. Because a lot of people go, oh I love God. Good. Do you trust him? Oh I believe in God. Good. Do you trust him? Are you willing to live your life according to his ways? And when you do, are you ready to receive according to what he calls you to? God's great desire is that you would do that. And there's no better life than you could possibly live. Listen again to the words of Jesus. He says this, but seek first 
His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Start the right way. And then out of the Old Testament, God is offering the children of Israel a choice of blessing or curse. And listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse. The heavens to give you rain to your land and its season and to bless the work of your hand. And you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above and you will not be beneath if, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. If you listen. If you listen, do you trust him? Do you trust him? And when you do, you live the most incredible life ever. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am so glad that I listened to the moving of the Holy Spirit in my heart and to my wife when I said I would come here to be with you. Now, some of you might not have the same opinion, but I'm glad to be with you. And, and I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to miss what we've gone through. I can bet money you're going to agree with this. I am so glad I praise God that Tony and Brienne came. Do you know what happened last Wednesday night? Tony, last Wednesday night in our Generate service, preached on finances, and nearly 60 students came forward and gave their lives to Christ. Yeah. There were nearly 2,000 Generate people in this room. And, and you know what? It, it, it really began when he and Brienne said, we're going we're gonna to leap out. And I, I know, I know Tony, and I can say this for him. He's glad he did. He would never want to take it back. Was it scary at times? Yeah. But I believe that if you look Tony in the eye and ask this question, do you trust God? The answer coming back is going to be yes. And I, I think a lot of you, if I look you in the eye and say, do you trust God? The answer is coming back to me, yes. But here's the most important thing. It's not what I ask you. It's what God asks you. Because God looks at you and says, do you trust me? And if you trust me, and you walk by faith and not by sight. And you live by faith. He says, I have a life for you to live that's incredible. Not just the blessed life, the more blessed life. So I'm going to challenge you today to throw yourself completely in the arms of God. And to literally say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I want this completely. Now, if you today are already living that way, I praise God for you. And many, many of you are. I know it. But today, if not, if you're not completely sold out, if you're not completely there, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to challenge you today to commit your life to doing that. How do you do it? It begins by prayer, by saying, I, Lord, I need your help. I, I want your leading. I want to live my life according to your ways. Here I am. Maybe today you've never said that to God. Let me tell you this. He loves you. He couldn't love you more than he does. And I am hoping in a minute we're going to pray and there'll be a stirring of the spirit. And some of you for the very first time are going to say, yes, I'm in completely. By the way, I got to say, I know this is a hard message for some of you here the first week you're here at church. But, but you know what? It may be the best message ever because it's talking about total commitment. And it's the best time for you to say yes. Today, maybe at one time you were in a walk with God. You were close to him, but you're not walking by faith. You're not walking in an intimate relationship, a loving trust. Somehow you got away from it. Well, let me tell you, God wants you back. He would never turn you away. How do you come back again? You pray. So we're going to go to prayer. In the middle of the prayer time, I'm going to stop. And anybody who needs to commit or recommit their life to Christ, I'm going to call for you to do it. And have, whisper that prayer with me right where you're sitting. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray right now that you would cause this church to be a church that really rises to the level of commitment 
that is sold out, that is on fire, that is passionate, that's anything but lukewarm. Let us be a church family that seeks you first, Lord, and seeks your kingdom first and your righteousness first. And God, I do pray that we would see the promises and blessings come back and people would see the difference of what it means to live with you in an exciting, vibrant way. Fire us up. Cause us to be yours completely. Father, for those that that's not easy to make that step, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would come. For those who are hurt or, or life is turned upside down to them, I pray right now your comfort would be upon them and your help would be there and they would know it. For those, Lord, who've never come to know you, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would move right now and they would know this is their time. You would stir inside of them and, and this would be their moment. They would know how much you love them and they would want this life with you based on Jesus and his love and his sacrifice. And I pray for the one who needs to come back, who you look at right now, God, and you want them so much to be renewed and strengthened and invigorated. You want them to rise up and have that same first love. And they can have it if they'd say yes today. I pray for you to draw and stir. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make a commitment? But right now, I'm going to lead that prayer. And if you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, come into a relationship with him. He knows you and he loves you. And right now, I'm going to ask you to just whisper this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you have created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God. Man, praise God.